No, I'm not. Don't worry. I want you guys to stay. Okay. No, <laughs> no um, just to let you guys know, we, we, our church was being a blessing to another church in the area. And so uh, they were in need of a lapel mic and uh, actually uh, two lapel mics. And so just for this week, we uh, lent them out so they can use it uh, for some of their services. And then hopefully by Sunday, uh, we should get them back. So that's the handheld mic. So <laughs> go ahead and turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be looking at verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12, looking at verse 2. Once again, just want to thank Pastor for the opportunity to be able to come and, and to preach here tonight. Um, I don't take it for granted, I don't take it lightly, and so I am definitely appreciative. Why don't we go ahead and stand as we traditionally do? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and it says in God's word, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time where we get to open up your word. I pray that uh, the message that you have here tonight that would speak to many that hear it, and Lord, uh, once again, we just pray that you would just be with us at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our minds are constantly considering choices on a daily basis. Think about it. When you wake up, you start making choices. Should I hit the snooze button? Should I actually wake up? Should I wake up and uh, wake up and get a cup of coffee? That's always a good thing, by the way, waking up and getting a cup of coffee, uh, cup of coffee in the morning. Should I wake up and feed the animals? Should I wake up and actually go to work while you're at work? You know, should I actually work or should I be on Facebook uh, while you're actually at work? Should I be nice to the kids or should I give them a pop quiz? Give them a pop quiz, right? Give them a pop quiz. Let's see if they were paying attention. And so you have many choices on a day-to-day basis. There's a lot of things, though, throughout the day that is trying, that is trying to grab your attention, especially if you have a phone and you have social media. Man, you have a lot of things grabbing your attention. You have uh, people wanting you to look on their posts. You have people wanting to look at pictures. You have people wanting to uh, have you sign up for a free trial of some type of entertainment. You have things that are constantly wanting your attention. You have things during, uh, especially yesterday, yesterday was voting day. Uh, you had things, you have people, you have candidates wanting you, wanting you to vote for them. They're saying, hey, vote for me. If you vote for me, I promise I will do X, Y, and Z. Hey, vote for me because I'm better than this candidate because this candidate lies. 
vote for me because I am the true, I'm the, I'm, I'm actually what you believe. Don't worry, I'm, I'm with you. You have a lot. And they try to get your attention. You drive down the freeway, you see all these billboards, you see all these signs. They're trying to get you to consider, they want you to consider voting for them. And, but here's the thing. All throughout the day, all throughout the day, people are wanting you to consider their product. All throughout the day, people are wanting you to make certain choices. But can I tell you that a lot of times what happens is we don't consider Christ. We don't consider Christ. And in fact, uh, so many times it easily gets crowded out of our everyday thoughts. The Lord Jesus Christ. However, God's word specifically states, especially in the scripture that we just read, it says, for consider him that endured such contradiction, that endured such contradiction tonight. We're going to specifically look, specifically look at his person, at this person. Who should we be considering? Should we be considering, should we be considering somebody that we see on the news? Should we be considering someone that we have at work? No, we are going to talk about considering Jesus Christ, considering him. Leading up to the 2007 film, The Ten Commandments, 1,000 people were surveyed to discover how much Americans actually know about the Ten Commandments. The survey also included questions not pertaining to the Ten Commandments, but related to standard American living. 80% of those surveyed knew that a Big Mac from McDonald's had two all-beef patties. 62% of them knew that it not only had two off beef patties, but a Big Mac also had pickles on it. But this is the staggering thing. Just 34% knew that remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is one of the Ten Commandments. Only 34%. That's less than 30% knew that one of the commandments was to make any graven images. Man, this study, when I, was, when I was reading through this and I looked this up, man, that's troubling. That's troubling. That people, that people know more about fast food than God. Man, I could probably go and I could name off, I could name off some different jingles from commercials. And guess what? We'd start thinking of those products. You start knowing those products and you start quoting those commercials. Man, you can, uh, the Allstate, are you in good hands? Right? You can, you know, nationwide is on your side. Okay, you can, all these jingles, the, the, the companies and the corporations, they invest so much money in commercials and jingles and stuff. The reason why? To get you to remember their product. But man, how sad is it, it that America, uh, that America, that people here in America know more about fast food than it does the Ten Commandments. As we consider Christ, as we consider Christ, we need to first consider his position. He is the preeminent one. He is the preeminent one. He is the one above all others. He is the one worthy of our vote. He is the one worthy of our consideration. Man, uh, in Patch Club, this last month, we've been talking about worship. 
we had a lesson on who deserves our worship. And can I tell you, we talked about how there is only one person that deserves our worship, and that is God. God is the only one who deserves our worship. But man, can I tell you, there's so many times out there that we give our worship up to somebody else. We give our worship up to our TV. We give our worship up to our friends. We give our worship up to our job. We give our worship up for entertainment, for a sporting event, for hunting, for fishing. We give all that up and we forget. We forget to consider Christ. And we forget that he is the preeminent one. He is, our scripture says, he is the author and finisher of our faith. The word author indicates that he is, the origina- he is the originator of our faith. He is the first and the last. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the one who created us all. We didn't come by accident. We didn't come by way of evolution. We came, we came because God created us. And man, so many times in today's culture, people forget about that. They think it just happened. They think it was just a big bang. They think we evolved from an ape. Can I tell you that during vacation Bible school, we're going to be hitting this heavily. We're going to be hitting this heavily. You want to know why? Because our kids are being bombarded with evolution right now. Our kids are being bombarded about the value of life. And this summer, when we have vacation Bible school, we're going to be hitting it hard and we're going to be talking about what the bible says about the value of life but can i encourage you we need to remember that he is the author of our faith he is the one who started he is the one who created you it says in colossians 1 16 for by him were all things created it doesn't it doesn't just say for only some things it didn't say he accidentally created things it says he, for him were all things created that are in heaven, not only in heaven, but that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consent. Uh, consist and he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence revelation 1 8 i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end saith the lord which is which was and which is to come the almighty did you know that there's over 256 different names of god listed in the bible Jesus Christ is lifted up as the preeminent one. May we think about it. What are you considering this week? Where do you have Jesus placed on your priority list? Man, you may say, you may say, man, you know what? I'm here. I'm here on Wednesday. Hey, and that's great being here on Wednesday. I know I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. Okay, that's great. But what about when you're not here? What takes more preeminent? Is it your job? Is it money? Is it, is it your friends? Is it your entertainment? Does hunting get more preeminence than God does? And I know you're like, whoa, brother Z, hold on. You're crossing the line. You better be careful. Careful, right? Better think about it. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? You need to make sure you have God set in the right priority. 
You need to make sure you have God set right. Man, I talked, I talked to the, the patch club because I said, hey, is your Nintendo on a pedestal higher than God is? You may say, yeah, that's right, brothers. You tell those kids. But here's the thing. Can I, is the news on a higher pedestal than God is? Is your, is your phone on a higher pedestal than God is? Because can I tell you that all those things, they don't deserve to be in front of God. God is the preeminent one. So remember, consider him. Consider him. Consider his position. He is the preeminent one. Next, we see that not only is he the preeminent one, but he is the perfect one. When we consider Christ, because he is alone, is perfect. We have to understand that, uh, that he is the only one who has never sinned. He is the one who has, he is the author. He has run the race. It says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We have to understand that he is the finisher of our faith. The moment you get saved, guess what happens? You get the Holy Spirit. And the moment that you get saved, you start this wonderful process. You start this wonderful process of sanctification. And here's the thing. We, uh, once you're saved, you're always saved. And it's instant. You don't have to do anything but accept it. But then here's the great thing. God just doesn't say, all right, hey, you're saved. All right, I'm out. He's there with you. He's there helping you. I, I, I think of a coach, of a running, of, of, a, of a coach who's there for a sport. And, man, he, he's working with you. Man, uh, uh, this, um, this year, my wrestling coach in high school, he retired after 25 years of wrestling, of being a wrestling coach. And you know, what, you know what's exciting is that we started a great uh, uh, a Facebook page, and now we're, we're planning something. We're planning something, and we're going to thank him for all the years. But you want to know what? It was so surprising on how many, how many guys he influenced. Seeing all these comments come flooding in. Man, that coach, he was there when it was hard. It was there during the meets. He was the one yelling on the mat. He was the one yelling and encouraging us to keep going and not to quit and not to quit. Can I tell you that God doesn't leave you? God is there during those hard times. God is there, and he says, hey, don't quit. Don't quit during the storm. I'm right here. I'm guiding you. I, I want you to succeed. Keep going. You may say, man, uh, Brother Z, it's, so, it's hard whenever there's financial issues. It's hard when there's, when there's health issues. Can I tell you that you're not alone, though? You may feel like you're alone, but, man, just like how our coach never left us, God is never going to leave you. God is there and he's encouraging you and he wants you to succeed. And we need to remember, we need to remember that not only is he the preeminent one, but he's the perfect one. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan and he wants you to succeed. And we need to remember that. So you may say, how do we succeed? Well, we need to remember that his way is perfect. His way is perfect. We may not always understand Christ's way, he wor- how Christ works through us, but we can have confidence that he is doing, he is doing, to, he's doing 
what he wants with us. And man, it's going to be good. And we're doing what, what he has for us. But here's the thing that happens. So many times, there's God's way. And we know that God loves us and cares for us. For God so loved the world, we know that he loves us. And he says, man, hey, I, I, I need you to go through this. I need you to do what it says in the Bible. I need you to read your Bible. I need you to be faithful in church. I need you to give. I need you to watch your attitude. I need for you to, um, to do what it says in the Bible. But you want to know what happens sometimes? We like to do things our own way. We say, yeah, you know, I know the Bible says that, you know, don't forsake the assembly. You know, don't forsake the assembly, but, you know, I'm just going to skip that one step. I know the Bible says that I should be giving, but you don't understand, you know, finances are really a big deal in my house, so I'm going to go ahead and just skip on tithing. And you try to go ahead and you try to live your life, not by God's way, but by your way. This last Sunday, something happened. And actually, now that I think about it, I'm kind of glad that it happened so I could actually bring it up. But last Sunday... I don't know if many of you know, but I have an array of Legos in my office. And uh, I love to build them, love to have fun with them. And plus, the kids love them too, so I love to bring them out, show the kids, and it's a great time. Well, on Sunday, I walk in to my office, and I find out I'm not the only one that loves Legos. In fact, all uh, multiple of those Legos that were built are now on the floor. And there, I'm not going to name names on which child it was, but the first, his name starts with an S, and the last part of his name is Ette. So, um, but I'm not going to say his name. Don't worry, right? So I walk in there, and there he is, having a great time. Legos all over the place. And I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm glad that you, you, that you know to come and to come to Brother Z to have a fun. And it's great. And I'm glad you're having a great time. But no. But then after he leaves and the remodel of my Legos are all on the ground, in walks somebody else. It's actually Caleb. Caleb walks in. And uh, Caleb walks in. And Caleb also likes Legos. Um, but he said, Hey, brother Z, do you want some help? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. He says, I can go ahead and rebuild those Legos for you. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Knock yourself out. And so he goes and he starts to build. And then he says, Hey, brother Z, do you have the instruction manuals for any of these? And I said, well, matter of fact, Caleb, I did. I did have the instruction manuals. I kept the instruction manuals in case something like this ever was to happen. So I actually had it there. And there, Caleb sat. And he rebuilt almost all my Lego sets right then and there on Sunday night. You may say, okay, Brother Z, what's the whole point of that? whole thing is, is that Caleb could have decided that he was going to build those Legos on his own. And did it his way. But can I tell you that it probably wouldn't have looked nearly as good 
as when he followed the instruction manual. Our life, you may say, you know what? Our life is going to be okay. I mean, our life, if I do things my way, you know, if I just skip this step, skip this step, skip this step, our life will be fine. Yeah, it may be fine, but it's not going to be what God had planned. You may say, man, I want, I want what God has planned for my life. Follow his instructions. Follow his instructions. Don't skip steps. Don't skip church. Don't skip, don't, don't skip reading your Bible. Don't, don't skip on your attitude. Do what God has for you. Do the instruction manual. When we do that, guess what we're doing? We can, we're considering him. We're considering him. We're considering his position. We're considering his position. We know that he's the preeminent one. He's the perfect one. He knows what's going on with your life. And his work, his work is perfect. So next, we see not only we're considering his position, but now we're going to take a look. Consider his pattern. Consider his pattern. So when we consider his pattern, we need to remember We need to remember that according to this text, it says he endured the cross, despising the shame. From the very beginning of Christ's ministry, we see that he lived a pattern of walking in victory over temptation. We see that we see his victory over temptation. Can I tell you that the devil, he tried to tempt Jesus. We know that. We know the account. Many, especially if we've been coming, we've actually talked about this in church. Matthew 4, verse 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afraid and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taken him up into the holy city, setteth him up on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands, they shall bear thee up. Lest any time thou dash thy foot against stone. And Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil taketh him up into the exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and glory of them. And in verse nine, it says, and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered him, ministered unto him. Can I tell you, if Satan had the audacity to go and to tempt Jesus, why are we surprised when the Satan comes after us and tempts us? Satan tempted Jesus. Jesus, the all-powerful one. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus, the one, the perfect one. And then we get surprised when we, when Satan tempts us. Can I tell you that we need to notice the things that Jesus did. When we notice the things that Jesus did to overcome this temptation, we can use it. 
we can use it to overcome temptation that happens to us. Because can I tell you, the moment that you get saved, Satan's after you. The moment that you get saved, Satan is painting a big target on your back. The moment that you come and you make a decision for Christ, Satan's coming after you to test you on that decision. We need to see what Jesus did to overcome this temptation. First off, we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Matthew 4, 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit unto the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When Jesus went into the wilderness, it was under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. We too must be led by the Spirit. We need to be listening to what God wants us to do. If we are to consider him, we must be led. The Spirit will always direct us to the will of Christ. But the thing is, is that we have to listen to it. How many times, how many times that your kids are playing in your house or the kids are playing outside and you shout to them to either come into the house or to do something and they don't. Then you walk out and say, hey, hey, did you, did you hear me? I, I called for you. Did you hear me? Oh, no. No, Mom, I didn't. I, I, I was too busy. We were, we were playing. Or, no, Mom, I didn't. I, was, I had my headphones on. No, Mom, I didn't. I was, playing, I was playing my Xbox on my Switch. You want to know what they're saying? They weren't listening. And you may say, man, I... I don't hear the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't hear God telling me what to do. Are you listening? Or do we have Fox News turned up too loud? Do we have, do we have our friends? Do we have our, our job where we're focused more on? We need to be listening for the Holy Spirit and for the guidance. When we do, we see that that is what Jesus did. And he had, and he was able to have victory Next, we see that Jesus, he quoted scripture. You see that in temptation. You may say, man, Brother Z, yeah, we, we see that all the time. And maybe some of you that have been coming to church, you're like, duh, Brother Z, we know. Yeah, but here's the thing. We know, but yet, do we prepare ourselves for that time? Those temptations, those temptations that we face on a day-to-day basis, do you have, do you have those quick scriptures to say? To remind you on what the Bible says. Do you, uh, the, for those that maybe struggle with maybe entertainment, maybe consider putting something on your TV, a little sticky note on your TV. Maybe if, you're, if you struggle with stuff on your phone or maybe if you struggle stuff, uh, maybe put some scriptures on your home screen. Put it in your car. Put it in your wallet. Put it anywhere where you can go. Put it on the refrigerator. We know that that's the most visited place in the house, right? So put some scriptures on the refrigerator that would help you keep considering what God is have. So then when the temptation comes, you're able to respond with scripture just like how Jesus did. So we see that he had victory over those uh he had victory and he has victory over those trials and lastly we're going to go ahead so we considered his position we considered his pattern and lastly we're going to consider his passion consider his passion notice what the phrase in verse 2 says it says looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We see that Jesus came, and he came with a purpose. He came, he endured the cross. We know that the cross was an awful, awful situation, a way that they crucified people where they would stretch out the hands and they would drive a nail in the hands, where they would go and they would put the feet a certain way to where you couldn't breathe if you straightened out your legs, but you had to actually lift up, causing you more pain. It was embarrassment. They would mock you. People would see you get whipped, and it was terrible. There was nothing There was nothing glory, there was nothing glorifying about that cross, about the cross, about being crucified. But can I tell you, Jesus came and he endured that. And you may say, why? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Because he loved you. Because he loved you. Jesus Christ bared the sins of the whole world. He had two passions when he came. The first one is he, the first passion was to glorify the Father. Glorify the Father. Christ's passion to glorify his Father was greater than anything that would try to stop him from enduring the cross. John 17, 1, it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as many as thou hast given him. And this is the life eternal, that they might know that thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world has begun. As you consider Christ, we need to remember his passion. We need to remember his passion. A young boy named Tom, he had a small boat. He had a small boat and he, and and all by himself, he worked hard. He built it. He worked hard to make it exactly as he wanted it, man. It was a great day when Tom finished that boat. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was his favorite color. And he couldn't wait. Every chance he had, he sailed that boat onto streams, onto lakes, onto rivers. Anything he could, he wanted to play with this boat. But one day, he took his boat to the edge of a river. He carefully placed it in the water while it slowly releasing the string. And he sat there in pure joy as he watched his, this boat. And he had made the sail gracefully on the stream. But to his dismay, a strong current picked up out of nowhere. And the boat started getting farther out and farther out. Tom, he, he, started, he tried to run. He ran from the shore and he tried to get to the boat. He tried to get to the boat, but the boat was just out of reach. And he goes and he starts running along the shore, hoping that the, hoping that the boat would just maybe curve. But in fact, the, the boat curved farther out. Tom sat there, sad, started crying tears. He loved that boat, and now that boat's gone. A couple days later, Tom goes, and 
he's walking down the street and he looks into the toy shop and he looks, he's like, oh man, that boat looks just like mine. He's like, oh man, look at the sails. It looks exactly like mine. And then he starts getting a closer look. That boat is mine. And he goes and he runs in and he says, hey, sir, 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 uh, that's my boat. That's my boat. Can I, can I get my boat back? I lost it on the river. Can, that is my boat. I made that boat. And the manager said, sorry, son, you're going to have to pay for that boat. Well, how much is it? And the manager told him the price. And Tom ran home. He ran home and he counted the money that he had saved up. And he was just a little bit short. So then he said, you know what? I'm going to ask mom. I'm going to ask mom if I can do some chores. And I'm going to see if I can go ahead and I can work for So I can get enough money so I can save for that boat. So a day or two went by and he, he did all his chores. And, and he worked really, really hard. And his mom gave him just the right amount of money to go and to buy that boat. And so the boy is excited and he goes and he takes off running down to the toy store and he sees the boat in the mirror and he goes to the manager and he says, sir, I have enough. I want to buy that boat. And so he goes and he, he places the money down and he gave the money and the boat was his. He was so excited. He went outside and he gave the boat a huge hug. He was excited. And he said to, as he says, as no one really was looking, and he says, boat, now you're mine twice because I made you and, tw- and twice because I bought you. Can I tell you that today, Jesus made you. But more importantly, understand that the passion of Jesus Christ was to shed his blood. Why? To purchase you. He purchased you. He might purchase you. You may be his. But are you? That's the question. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're watching online right now. And you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Can I tell you, Jesus has purchased you with his blood. And he loves you just like, just as much as that boy loved the boat that he made. Jesus, God, loves you. He made you. And if you're here tonight... Or if you're online and you have, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, can I tell you, consider him tonight. Consider him and what he's done for you. You may say, Brother Z, I don't, I, 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 you don't understand my life. You don't understand what I've been through. It's not about what you have done. It's about what he has, what he's done for you. And he's died on the cross to pay for your sin. We say sin is anything you think, anything you say, or anything you do that breaks God's law. And we're born as sinners. You can ask, even as a baby, you can ask all the nursery workers, babies are sinners. You were born with sin. And you have a price 
and that is total separation from God. When you die, and you die without Jesus as your Savior, you're going to have to pay for that punishment. And you're going to go to that awful place called hell. And that hell is not a, not a great place. Hell is a place where it's utter darkness. There's pain. There's gnashing of teeth. And you say, man, brothers, I don't want to go there. I don't want you to go there either. But here's the thing. Jesus said, hey, I'll take that punishment for you. I'll pay for that punishment. You don't have to pay for it. And that's why he died on the cross. That was one of his passions was to redeem the world. Consider his passion. It was not only to glorify his body, but to redeem the world. And now he's up in heaven. He's made that payment. But here's the thing. All you have to do is you have to accept it. If you're here and you say, man, I've never accepted that before. Can I encourage you tonight? Let that be the night. If you're online and you say, man, I've never done that before. Can I encourage you? Message us. We gladly like to talk to you about that. Throughout this week, I want you to think about considering Christ. Considering Christ. You'll have many voices calling for your attention. You'll have many decisions, opportunities, needs throughout this week that will try to get you to focus on them. But I hope that this week we can consider Christ. Consider his position. He is God and his ways and works are perfect. Consider his pattern. His word can give you victory over temptation and the strength to endure trials. And lastly, consider his passion. His purpose was to glorify the Father and to the end, to glorify the Father and to that end, he gave himself for salvation. This week, consider Christ. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I have not been considering Christ like I had. I should have been. I need to possibly put Christ back where he belongs. He's the preeminent one. But man, I, I don't, he's not the preeminent one in my life. I, I have other things in place. Can I encourage you? Let's, let's take and remove those other idols and put the preeminent one back where he deserves. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I've been doing things the wrong way. I've been trying to live my life, not by God's instruction manual, but I've been living life by, by uh, my own instruction manual. I mean, I want my life to be what God wants. And tonight I'm going to start following God's instruction manual, not my own. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, man, I need to consider his passion. I need to consider the fact that he came to redeem the world and I've never accepted him as my savior tonight consider him and maybe even ask him to be your savior why don't we all go ahead and stand to our feet stand to our feet as piano is playing we'll go ahead and the altar is open for anyone that wants to make any decisions